with flash proton therapy, we hope to shorten treatment times to just one treatment versus six to eight weeks of treatment in a much more effective and intensive manner. This is the James Cancer Free World Podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg, and today our guest is Arnab Chakravarti, the chair of the James Department of Radiation Oncology. The James is at the forefront of an exciting new advance in radiation therapy that's called proton radiation. The James will be one of the first cancer hospitals to offer this new advanced proton radiation therapy and the very first cancer hospital in the entire world to utilize flash proton radiation. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome to the podcast, Arnab. Thank you, Steve. Honored to be with you. First, before we dive in and talk about this new proton radiation, I think it's important to get a little background and some knowledge on what I'm going to call regular or traditional radiation that's been going on for years and and is an important part of cancer treatment. So fill us in on how that works and its role in cancer treatment before we get to proton radiation. Fantastic, Steve. Well, about 95% of radiation treatments in the United States and worldwide is delivered through high-energy X-ray therapy um, in which the radiation essentially passes through the body completely. Um, This type of radiation works essentially by selectively damaging tumor cells because normal cells are able to repair double-strand DNA damage much more effectively than tumor cells. So the rationale here is that we fractionate the radiation over a course of six to eight weeks so that in between the fractions of radiation, normal cells can repair themselves from radiation damage. Tumor cells, which have deficient DNA damage repair pathways, cannot do the same, and they selectively die off as a result. See, I never knew that. So they're not killed right then and there when the the patient gets the radiation treatment. That's like starts the death process and the the healthy cells can repair themselves while the cancer cells that are on a, they're they're going, going over that cliff. That is spot on, Steve. That is spot on. Usually what happens is in tumor cells, since they have defective DNA repair pathways, um, they're not able to repair the DNA damage that occurs. And if they're not able to repair the DNA damage, what often happens subsequently are several cell death mechanisms, such as apoptosis, um, mitotic catastrophe. Uh, Sometimes they just undergo terminal differentiation where they just can't uh, divide and form daughter cells. So they're in a state of limbo, as you suggest, long term. Normal cells, since they're able to effectively repair double-strand DNA damage, um, they're able to essentially repair the damage, then survive normally thereafter. So that's why we can utilize radiation therapy in the clinic in a safe manner. What types of cancer, what areas is it most commonly used for? Well, uh, radiation therapy is delivered to about 60% of all cancer patients with solid tumors. So I'm not talking about liquid tumors like leukemias and so forth. Yeah, blood tumors. Blood tumors, I'm talking about solid tumors. So 60% of all solid tumor patients receive radiation therapy during some part of their disease course. 
it can be before surgery or after, right? That's exactly the- correct. It can be before surgery. It can actually also be at the time of surgery called intraoperative radiation, or it can be adjuvantly or postoperatively. I think that's something people don't realize because on this podcast and you hear in the news about immunotherapy, targeted yes. cancer therapy, that people think of radiation as old technology, but it still has a very, very important place in cancer treatment. It sure does. It sure does. Given that uh, such a large majority of cancer patients receive radiation, it plays an important role. Now, the corollary to that is also radiation is used in definitive cases without surgery as well, instead of surgery. So about almost half of the patients that we treat with radiation at the James, we treat with curative intent. And the other half, we treat palliatively to improve the quality of life of the cancer patients. So um, it's becoming increasingly important as a definitive and effective means of treating and in some cases curing cancers. And just how precise are these beams? So that's a great question, Steve. And that's really where technology has taken us to the next level over time. Um, Presently now with the current immobilization techniques, the intensity modulated based approaches, we can be within a millimeter's worth of accuracy Um, That is to say that uh, in some cases, um, we only incorporate about a millimeter or so of normal tissue in the treatment field. So almost everything that we treat in the high-dose area is tumor, exclusively tumor. Wow. That's a millimeter is like barely thicker than a piece of paper. That's correct. That's correct, Steve. And so that brings us now to proton radiation. And so um, I I keep hearing about it, and it sounds very exciting, and particularly the word proton. It just sounds so advanced. So what is it? So proton therapy is a type of charged particle therapy utilizing a cyclotron that delivers protons. What what are protons? So protons are a positively charged um, uh, element of matter, which are... uh, Basically, the advantage of physical advantage of protons over the X-ray treatment that I just spoke of is we have a physical property of protons called the Bragg peak. So that's just a fancy term, which means that we can make the proton beam stop right at the tumor's edge without treating any normal tissue in many cases. Meaning with regular radiation, you said it goes through the body. Exactly. It goes into the body, into the tumor, and out the other end. That's right. With proton, it yes. stops. That's exactly correct, tu- Steve. Wow. So with conventional X-ray photon treatments, as you say, the radiation passes straight through the tumor, through the body, and exits. So everything that is in between in the body gets treated as collateral damage with conventional radiation treatments. With proton therapy, it essentially enters the body but delivers all of the dose right at the target, which is the tumor, and essentially very little to none normal tissue gets actually irradiated in the process. Um, So the feeling is that if you have a beam with a physical property 
where you can avoid treatment of normal tissues, that's in many ways the epitome of personalized care because or target, targeted therapy because you can selectively treat the target and minimize the collateral damage to normal tissues in the process. What is the collateral damage that occurs in, in regular radiation that you're now eliminating? So with regular radiation, since you're treating large amounts of normal tissue, um, it is true that normal tissues are able to repair themselves much more effectively than tumor cells. However, that's not always 100% uh, foolproof. In some cases, patients can get um, temporary or acute side effects from radiation therapy, which resolve after the radiation therapy uh, ceases. There is another category of side effects called late effects that may manifest decades after the original course of radiation is given. And these late effects can be permanent, which is very unfortunate. Um, so it depends on which organ you're treating with the radiation as far as the exact late effect profile. But, uh, for example, I'll give you some examples. Um, if you're treating um, prostate cancer, essentially, with uh, photon-based radiation, you're treating good amounts of the intestines, bladder, um, the sexual organs, and so forth. So the permanent late side effects can be permanent damage to the GI and the GU systems. So there can be some permanent changes along those fronts, such as uh, changes in bowel habits, changes in bladder habits, bladder irritability. Um, there can be permanent sexual dysfunction that occurs in over half of patients who undergo conventional X-ray treatments for prostate cancer. And perhaps most problematic is that a percentage of these patients also develop secondary radiation-induced malignancies uh, after the original course of radiation is administered. So there's every incentive to avoid as much normal tissue as possible. And if you have a technology such as proton therapy, uh, in many cases it becomes uh, very feasible uh, to hopefully eliminate the risk of late effects and, and uh, these late radiation-induced malignancies as well. I mean, this sounds like a great step forward in that what you just said that can happen in prostate cancer, some of these secondary problems later, are, are they eliminated now with, with proton radiation? So that's also the million-dollar question, uh, Steve, because protons um, come at quite an expense, initial expense. The literal uh, cyclotrons that deliver protons can cost in the hundreds of billions of dollars. So um, that question that you raise is the critical one. Are we sparing enough people the long-term side effects of conventional radiation therapy, the risk of secondary malignancies, to make protons financially worthwhile? What is the cost-benefit ratio here? How does it stack up? 
the answer to that question is that um, we don't have enough long-term data for all tumor types to definitively answer that question because protons are relatively new in the game. Um, so you don't have people who are 5, 10, and 15 years out You to really see. need long-term data, meaning decades, because these late effects, secondary malignancies can occur 20, 30, 40, 50 years after the original course of radiation treatment is administered. And when you look at all the proton centers around the United States, um, I was previously at the Mass General Hospital. We opened the first uh, really uh, integrated, dedicated uh, hospital-based uh, proton therapy unit in the world at the time, very modern. Um, and that now is about uh, 20 years old, right? So we're just starting to see some of the longer-term data emerge uh, from that proton facility. But by and large, most of the other proton centers in the United States are less than a decade old. So we don't have that long-term follow-up data yet to answer that question. So what makes you optimistic that you will get that result of less latent secondary problems yeah. later? So um, taking a step back, we can look at the photon data for pediatrics, for example. We're beginning to understand that um, some studies suggest a high percentage of pediatric patients who've received radiation develop radiation-induced malignancies. In fact, there was a study published on retinoblastoma in which over half of those kids developed secondary radiation-induced malignancies decades later. Over 50%, Steve. That's, that's an astronomical yeah. number. Um, intuitively, if you're avoiding normal tissues altogether with protons, how can you get radiation-induced malignancies? I'm asking that as a rhetorical right. question, right? So it intuitively makes sense. Um, the initial data that we're seeing from these larger proton centers in the U.S. that may not have 50 years of follow-up yet, but at least have a decade of follow-up, is that there's some suggestion that these kids actually seem to have a very low rate of radiation-induced malignancies uh, after a decade, which is encouraging. Boy, so it's an, an interesting, almost catch-22 problem in that to prove that they're not going to have these longer-term 20, 30 yeah. years down the road. You've got to do it now, yes. spend all, build these very expensive centers, and then, I mean, the best evidence suggests it's going to happen, okay. but you need to prove it in science. Yeah. You have to prove things. You have to so, prove things. And But what we can say is that in certain types of tumors that we've treated – um, we're appreciating that um, at least the acute and long-term side effects seem to be lower with protons versus uh, comparable data with photon-based therapy. So it seems like a safe bet that's going to help a lot of patients. Well, it depends on exactly which population is being referenced. If you're talking about pediatric patients, um, I would put my money on protons over photons just because you're not treating um, as much normal tissues in the treatment field. Um, and we know the results with photons, which is fraught with long-term side effects, morbidity, and secondary malignancies. Um, in the adult population, 
there's also some encouraging data with protons as well, uh, especially in the setting of certain types of uh, head and neck, base of skull uh, sarcomas, chondrosarcomas and chordomas being two prime examples where these tumors traditionally have been thought to be very radiation-resistant, completely resistant to chemotherapy and intractable in many cases. Now with uh, proton therapy, we're able to have 10-year survivals for chondrosarcoma patients exceeding 90 to 95%. And chordomas, which are thought to be extremely intractable, also have encouraging data with proton therapy that looks to be much more encouraging with photons, in part because since you're sparing normal tissue um, with protons, you can treat to somewhat higher doses as well. Uh, what, what is that, a cordoba? Cordoma. Uh, cordoma, what is yeah. that? Cordoma is a type of uh, connective tissue sarcoma that occurs oh, okay. it's a type in of ca- sarcoma base cancer. of skull, pelvis. Okay. Yeah, it's a type of sarcoma. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be right back with Arnab, and we're going to talk about one thing which you you reminded me of, the connection between the James and Nationwide Children's Hospital, and then also the new facility that you're going to be building down the road. Thank you. A revolution in lung cancer treatment is happening at the James. We're proving lung cancer isn't solely defined by location and stage, but rather the individual molecules and genes that drive it. Simply put, there is no routine lung cancer. That's why our world-renowned specialists put their expertise towards treating one particular lung cancer, yours. At The James, we go beyond the routine to prevent, detect, treat, and cure your lung cancer. To learn more, call 1-800-293-5066. We're back with Arnab Chakravarti, and we're talking about the new proton radiation facility that's going to be here at the James. And But first, I think it's important because you mentioned about how with pediatric radiation treatment, there's been some uh, issues that the proton radiation can hopefully solve. But there's a, a, a connection, a partnership between the James and Nationwide Children's Hospital here in Columbus. Tell us about that connection and how you're working together on this new proton radiation My pleasure, Steve. Um, Indeed, uh, this Proton Center at Ohio State is a joint effort with Nationwide Children's Hospital. In fact, both institutions have uh, invested uh, 50% capital apiece in this effort. So uh, certainly one of the major focuses of the Proton Center is pediatric oncology, but we also have a tremendous focus on adult malignancies as well. And um, the proton facility itself is going to be operated by the James uh, with very strong oversight and input from Nationwide Children's. Because right now, Nationwide does not have a radiation facility, and all their patients come here to the James, right? That's right. That's right. Essentially, the pediatric oncology service here. Uh, is a split service where we do all of the radiation therapy at the James. Um, The nationwide folks oversee the surgical services, medical oncology, and hemonc, and so forth. Now, you already, within the James, is this beautiful state-of-the-art radiation suite above ground, unlike most of them that are buried in the basement. But you're building a new facility for this proton radiation, right? This is correct. This will be on our west campus at Ohio State. 
um, uh, really a magnificent uh, facility that um, will almost, um, if not double the square footage of our existing facility, come close to that. Um, I think most of the treatment areas will be above ground as well, so hopefully we'll have natural sunlight, ambient uh, uh, lighting, uh, which hopefully will lead to a very cheerful environment for our patient population. Which is important. Which is very yeah. important. Which is very important. And for patients and for you who, who are there for 50, 60 well. That's hours right. a week That's right. or more. That's right. You, you want to have a nice environment and exactly. it just helps. It definitely helps. And there's a strong connection between the mind and the body. And we find that our patients now in our above-ground facility um, are so happy. We have, um, in fact, uh, Steve, our patient satisfaction scores from last year reflected that, where we had um, one of the very highest patient satisfaction scores in the country in radiation oncology at the James and that that's that's a part of it just the the atmosphere the Huge setting part of it. and as we've talked about before that that you and your team are just yeah. really take care of your patients thank you thank you Steve. we we've it's heard our, that from our everyone our privilege definitely is is that where they ring the bell yes yes after they okay. complete their course of radiation therapy there's a tradition where they ring the bell afterwards so will there be a bell at the new facility absolutely okay. absolutely you bet so this new facility or, or I should say, this new proton therapy. Uh, there are, as you mentioned, there are already a couple centers, but you're going to be the first with something I don't really quite understand called flash proton therapy. What, what yes. is that? So, Steve, we are so excited about this particular technology. As you state, we're going to be the very first fully functional, out of the box flash-capable proton facility in the world, not just in the country, in the world. By flash, let me take a few steps backward and kind of explain some of that terminology more in lay terms so that uh, your audience can understand. And I'll understand, too. Yes. <laughs> so like uh, conventional X-ray-based radiation therapy, uh, proton therapy normally is delivered in a fractionated ma manner over six to eight weeks in many cases. Fractionated meaning small doses. Small doses over six to eight weeks, right? And the rationale there, of course, is that um, it's thought that normal tissues can repair DNA damage in between fractions, unlike tumor cells, which creates a therapeutic advantage. Now, some of the exciting data that has emerged from Switzerland over the past year or two is that um, higher dose rates of radiation, I'm not talking about total doses, but I'm talking about dose rates in excess of 40 gray per second. And gray is a measure of radiation. And in many Solid tumors, we shoot for a total dose of, let's say, 60 gray, 70 gray to so that, be therapeutic the, in a the definitive higher, case. The higher the gray number, the more powerful the beam. It's not so much more powerful the beam, but the greater the total dose. Oh, okay. It's a measure of dose. So it's length, it's length of time then. It's, uh, it's an amount. It's okay. an amount of radiation. Oh, okay. Right? Dose is an amount of radiation. Okay. So dose rate is something different. It's basically the intensity of the radiation, how much radiation you can give over a certain period of time. So 
the group in Switzerland found that if you give very high dose rates of radiation in excess of 40 gray per second, you can actually control the tumor without any observable side effects. Um, and they use preclinical models, uh, in vitro models, you know, cells in a Petri dish to make this determination. Since their early report, these findings have been corroborated independently by other groups, too. And some of these groups have gone up to very high dose rates, exceeding 100 gray per second in preclinical models. Um, so there's a great deal of, of hope and promise in what has been coined flash radiotherapy, which is defined as dose rates exceeding 40 gray per second. Now, FLASH has yet to be um, examined rigorously in the clinical setting as it pertains to proton therapy. And the limitations here, Steve, are that there are many cyclotrons that really can't achieve that high of a dose rate of 40 gray per second. The cyclotron is the machine that emits the ray. That delivers the proton radiation. Um, so in most cases, they can't really go up to those high dose rate levels, so they're incapable. Oh, okay. Now, there are a handful around the world that, if they were engineered to do such, could approach 40 gray per second, but the problem is more practical, such as shielding. You need additional shielding and so forth, so it's safe to administer such high dose rates of radiation. So in collaboration with a company called Varian, um, we have been able to develop a cyclotron that can deliver very high dose rates of, of proton radiation, uh, well in excess of 100 gray per second, and potentially as high as 400 gray per second, 400 gray per second. Uh, to give you some perspective, again, the total dose in many definitive cases is anywhere from 60 to 70 gray over the course of six to eight weeks. So you can cumulative do the over, cumulative and, over okay. time. So you can do the math that we can deliver, in theory, the entire course of radiation in less than a second for each patient. Oh, and they only have to have one one, one, one treatment, treatment, one day. One day. And if we can do this without any side effects whatsoever, as the preclinical data are suggesting, can you imagine how revolutionary this would be? Yes. <laughs> and because, it sounds like because with the proton radiation, you're so, it doesn't go through the body exactly. at that high rate, you're not going to damage anything else. Exactly. Whereas... Yes. Photon, the old yes. school radiation, if you did it in that high of a dose, you go all through the whole body. That, you, that would cause, really could yeah. cause some bad side effects. Well, um, some of the data that is emerging is also with photon based flash therapy. And even with photon based flash, there doesn't seem to be a strong indicator of, uh, of normal tissue side effects with flash. So, but you're right that with flash photons, you're still treating large chunks of the body, which right. is undesirable. With proton flash, you're sparing everything but the tumor, the high dose rates of radiation, which is much more attractive. So you have two big breakthroughs, proton radiation 
and then proton radiation coupled with flash exactly. technology. Exactly. And it seems because you, you described that this is a very expensive endeavor, you're partnering with Nationwide Children's, you need a big patient population, which you already have. Yes. So it, it sounds like small community hospitals aren't going to be able to do this. You yes. need a large cancer hospital, comprehensive cancer center such as the James to do this. And you're going to become, people are going to come from far and wide for this. Exactly, Steve. You put your finger on it again, that with conventional, even with conventional proton radiation therapy, the indications are limited to pediatric patients and those adults with a handful of uh, tumor types. The other adult tumors are mainly investigational at this point. So yes, we'll have clinical protocols open for more common malignancies that are treated with x-ray therapies, but we don't have class one evidence that protons are better than photons for, for those particular tumors. So we'll do the studies that the James which will investigate protons uh, in the setting of those particular adult malignancies that are unproven right now. So hopefully we will establish the new standard of care moving forward. For the whole country. For the whole country. That, that's going to be amazing. Give me a sense, as you, if you can look into a crystal ball, that if what you think is going to happen, if all these advantages from proton and flash proton are going to work, where will you be in five, 10 or even more years in terms of treating and helping patients? Well, Steve, uh, I wish I had a crystal ball to be a hundred percent certain, but um, you've asked me to make an educated guess, which I'll try to make an attempt at. I think with proton therapy, there is class one evidence supporting its use in the pediatric population. So I think whether you're talking about conventional protons or in the future flash protons, I think they're going to be uh, indicated for most pediatric malignancies and really become the standard of care for pediatric um, cancers. For adult malignancies, um, Clearly, there's an advantage of, for protons for uh, certain base of skull tumors, uh, spinal tumors, chordomas, chondrosarcomas, um, very strong evidence in support of proton therapy. For other types of adult malignancies, common adult malignancies, lung cancers, prostate cancers, breast cancers, um, we're really going to have to do the clinical studies that look at the safety and efficacy of conventional protons and flash protons in the future as well to establish the standard of care. My guess is that if we can eliminate normal tissues entirely from the treatment field and you know treat to doses that are as high or higher than conventional fractionation regimens. Um, I think that uh, in some cases uh, we'll be getting on base and some, maybe some cases we'll hit a home run. May not be for every tumor, but I think we're going to have some wins here. I like how you present that in a very scientific way because the emotions you want to say, yes, this is going to revolutionize things and change uh, the way we treat patients, but you're a scientist and you 
you can't do that. You need to say we got to go. We got to go through every step, prove every step, and it could take a long time. But we must do every step to verify everything. Well, there's a saying in science, Steve: cancer cells have PhDs, huh. so they know how to bypass targeted therapies, and they know how to bypass a lot of things we throw at them. But if we can intelligently design treatment plans which maximize our chances of killing tumors while minimizing the amount of normal tissue that suffers collateral damage, that by definition increases the therapeutic ratio and hopefully will improve patient outcomes and patient well-being in the future. And I take it that's what motivates you and is where all your passion comes from. Yeah. It's about improving people's lives, 100%. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. And it's very exciting. And we look forward to your first proton radiation treatment in the future. Thank you kindly, Steve. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Solov Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.